0: Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good. My wife this week, we had family in town all week. Anybody else have family in town all week? Um, My wife posted on Facebook this really long, meaningful passage about how sad she was that everybody was gone, and um, i just like to state for the record that I was not sad at all. (laughs) The feeling of euphoria when the door shut was magical <laughs> love, you. love you hey, listen I, I have two sisters who are here this morning. Uh, my sister Kelly and my sister Sue. Sue is our adopted sister, so if you guys could raise your hands real quickly right over here, yeah, yeah, straight down my sister here uh, she 's my older sister, and uh, she's amazing and has been a source of inspiration and um Love and constant prayers in my life, uh, and I love you. Glad you're here. Um, Holly and I were talking this morning, or no, yesterday morning, about goals uh, for 2024. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really bad at New Year's resolutions. They last a couple of weeks, and then I'm kind of on to my normal behaviors. But uh, this this year was different. There was something definitely serious about our discussion about goals, about purpose in our lives. And I just said, honestly, I said, babe, if I can cut my phone usage just in half, you know, if I can look at this screen half the amount of time that I look at my screen now, 2024 is going to be great. If I can read some more books, if I can love a little bit better than I loved in 2023, I'll be really, really happy. I think it's common among us. uh, We, all of us seek purpose in our lives and the decisions that we make, whether those decisions are... Things that we buy, things that we remodel, relationships that we pursue, whatever it is, we're all seeking purpose in one way or another. So I'd like to start this morning with a parable from a guy named Rabbi Akiva, and it goes like this. There was once a rabbi, he was wandering around in the countryside studying the Torah, and he got lost, and he ended up at the gate Of the house of a Roman centurion the Roman centurion was startled that there was someone trespassing on his property and he screamed out who are you and what are you doing here and the wise rabbi paused and thought for a second and said sir what is your daily rate wage and the centurion said what Sir, what is your daily rent wage? Five denarii. And the rabbi responded with, Sir, I will pay you double if you will come to my house every morning and ask me those same two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? What is your identity and what are you doing because of it? For all of us, that's like the hardest thing in the world because we're surrounded with so much distracted. We're surrounded with so many things that cause our eyes to become unfocused on Christ and become focused on things that aren't eternal, that don't matter in the long run, that at the end of the day, we don't have the time or the energy to invest in things that last. We don't have time to invest in things that have eternal consequence and eternal significance. And I don't know about you, but man, for me, those two questions are really important. Who I am, what is my identity, and what am I doing here? Um, we, you know, we search for purpose in so many different ways, in little things, in smart ways, in bad ways, in good ways. Um, before we moved here, three, I think it was three days, four days before we moved here, um, we had to put our dog of 15 years down. It was so hard um it was traumatic right am i right in saying that traumatic it was absolutely traumatic she raised my kids she was with us for a long time you know and so i you know i'm i'm like got a hole in my heart you know you're driving on the road you're thinking about man it would be great to have my dog sitting here beside me and so we got here and i told holly you know in a couple years after we get settled and get kind of in our routine we will think about maybe getting a dog And she was like, "Okay." And I thought, I said, "You know, maybe an older dog, four, five, six years old, and um, we can rescue it, get a rescue dog." And she was like, "Okay, that sounds good." So Emmy uh, came home, and Emmy began. My Emmy is my daughter. She began talking to Holly, and and so like, man, I really miss dogs. Let's go to the animal shelter and let's go pet some dogs. And and Holly was like, "Okay." And this is what happened. Now, at the time, we thought this was a really good idea. Puppies are a lot of work. We thought raising three kids was hard. We've never had a puppy. We've lost shoes. We don't know where they are. Some of them are ripped up. Some of them are chewed up. Constantly cleaning up mess. I haven't slept in three months. Just gets up all hours of the night. Um, it didn't bring us purpose. (laughs) It brought us laughs. It brought us joy. It didn't bring us purpose. Do Do you follow what I'm saying here? And we pursue those things thinking that they're going to bring us purpose, but at the end of the day, they do not bring us purpose. They are to be enjoyed, but they are not to be our purpose. I think the most important verse... Uh, for me in understanding this is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And it's an amazing verse and it's uh, one of the Ten Commandments. And you might think that that's odd that we would choose this verse and we would look at this verse. But for me, this verse became really true for me. I was in the middle of studying the Ten Commandments and kind of I was breaking all the words down into the original language. And I realized that this name, this take word had nothing to do with speech. And for me growing up in kind of a churchy environment, I don't know if, if, if you remember this, but like I wasn't allowed to say, oh my gosh, because it was close enough, <laughs> right? I wasn't allowed to say gee whiz, gee willikers, anything that was close or a derivative. We call those Christian swear words, <laughs> right? And so I wasn't allowed to say that because of this commandment. So I was, I was excited to study it. And so I began to study this verse, and it broke open a whole new understanding of what it means to live a life of purpose and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we're going to walk through this, and we're going to break it down. You guys with me? We're going to learn some Hebrew. Is that cool? All right. So you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So the first word is the word take, all right? So the first word is take. That is the Hebrew word nisah. So say nisah. Nisah. Nisa. It's, a, it's a farm word. It's an agricultural word, and it means to carry or to lift. So if, if I were to nisah, this stool, and, and, and to, this is lifting. This is carrying, putting it on your shoulder and carrying it. Jesus kind of alludes to this when he says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, take my teaching, take what I'm saying upon you and carry it into the world. So that's what's happening here is we are being told to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So so it's, it means to carry. Uh, in the book of, I think it's Ephesians. Yes, it's it's Ephesians 4.30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it's this idea of of being sealed or being branded or or being um tattooed. How many of you have tattoos? Right? Shame on all of you. Um <laughs> I don't have one. My wife wants me to get one really bad. I'm like, "Are you out of your mind?" right? But my wife has a couple of tattoos. She has E E E on the back of her neck. Emilia, Elijah, Ezekiel on the back of her neck. It's a reminder that she's a mom, and, and whenever she sees it, she prays for her kids, and so it's, it's one of those things. She carries with her all the time. She has a tattoo on her foot that is um, in reference to our niece that passed away, and it's a way for her to always remember her. And so these things that we have on us, we have a story, right, a story for why we have the tattoo. Some of those stories are really meaningful. Some of those stories are probably not very meaningful. Some of those stories are like I woke up at Woodstock in the bushes and I had a tattoo, you yep. <laughs> know. Whatever it is, but they, they say something. They speak of something. Um, so this idea of being sealed, of having the name of the Lord upon us. All right, so let's go to the next word, the name. Um, it means uh, the Hebrew word Hashem. So say Hashem. Hashem. So it's, if you read it, it's Y-H-W-H, um, and that's kind of where we get Yahweh, or J-H-V-H, where we get the word Jehovah. Um, this word, if you talk to a, a, a Jewish person, is, is kind of um, unpronounceable. It's kind of this idea of it's so holy that we don't even write it down. You can see in Jewish literature, you'll see G and then a dash and then D, because for them, just even write, the name is so holy that they have so much reverence for it that they wouldn't even write it down. It goes beyond that. In the, in the, the years where there were scribes and they're writing down um, the text over and over and over again so that future generations would have the script, the Bible, in their hands, they would get to the name of God and there's even stories of these scribes going and taking a mikvah and they would take a bath. It's a ceremonial cleansing bath in between letters because the name was so holy that they didn't want to write it in vain. If you were to try and pronounce it, it would sound like this. Yeah, he voh ha Jehovah Yahweh. You hear where it comes from? One Jewish theologian talks about how in many traditions they believe that the name of God literally means to breathe. It means breathing. So when a baby is born, does it breathe or does it speak the name of God? So for us, as we're sitting here, we're breathing in, we're breathing out, are we just breathing or are we speaking the name of God? Could this be what 145.7 is referring to when it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. God's name does things. God's name is powerful. God's name is holy. And when we come to Christ, when we are born again, we are sealed with, we are tattooed with, we are lifting up, we are carrying the name of the Lord our God. That's scary to me in a lot of ways. When I'm standing in line at the grocery store in the express lane and I know the person in front of me has way more than 13 items. If I have a Christian t-shirt on, there are times that I wish I don't have it on because I'm so annoyed. Driving in Venice has kept me from putting a fish on the back of my car. Get out of the left lane. Get out of the left lane. It's the fast lane. <laughs> Psalm one says, The Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. His name is majestic. Psalm nine nine. Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. Deliver us because we don't want to defame your name. God's name does stuff. It's active in our world. It's active in our lives through the way that we live. Psalm 102 verse 15, the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory of Evil trembles at the sound of his name. In Mark chapter 5, verse 7, he shouted, a a demoniac, a demon-possessed man, shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. Evil trembles at the sound of his name. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess, at the name of Jesus, Jesus, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the name that we have been sealed with. This is the name that we have been tattooed with when we decide to follow Jesus. And we have to decide how we're going to carry it in the world. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. Next, in vain. In vain. So this is the Hebrew word shav. Say shav. All right. In a manner that costs me nothing or emptiness. So it's this idea of something that isn't truly sacrificial. It's just kind of blasé. It's kind of lazy. It's kind of full of lethargy, um, taking it in kind of a boring sort of way. So do not take, do not carry the name of the Lord your God in a way that costs you nothing or that is empty or that is void of sacrifice. There's an amazing verse in 2 Samuel where we really get a grip about what this is about. This is the context for this word, all right? Now, what's happening in this passage is King David is getting ready to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people for the rebellion that they had been going through. They weren't following the Lord. He's getting ready to offer sacrifice so that God won't punish the people. And so he goes to this guy named Arana, and this is what he says. Arana says, everything, O king, Arana gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God be favorable to you. However, the king, King David, said to Aaron, no, I will certainly buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He overpaid. Then David built there an altar to the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and the Lord responded to prayer for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. What David was saying, I can't offer a sacrifice to the Lord which costs me nothing. I can't. Or to take it a step farther, um, I, it can't be a sacrifice if there is no investment from me, if there is no cost from me There is no sacrifice. There is no sacrifice if there's no cost. And man, for me this week, as I'm going through this message, and I'm kind of taking notes along the way, like where in my life is there sacrifice? Where in my life am I giving in a way that costs me something? Not just going through the motions, not just kind of letting my life be displayed in front of you and letting you think that everything's wonderful. But where is the sacrifice in my life? And there are some areas, but man, there's not enough. And I had to really go back and say, oh, let's take stock of this. Where can we give more? Where can I cut this entertainment of staring at, When I cut that out of my life and devote more of that to the Lord and to the people in my life that I love? Actually engage in verbal conversation with somebody. Where in my life is the thing that costs me something? Ah, I was sitting back here with Mitch there, there is, we've, we, have been, we have worked at a lot of churches. We have done some amazing things. We have met amazing people. And I can say this with all of my heart. What God is doing here at Centerpoint is unique and different and amazing. Like, I hope you get that. I hope that when you come in, you can feel and you can sense that God is moving. When the congregation begins to lift up song and praise and you hear it and you listen, I hope that it's moving to you because what's happening in this place is not normal. And over the the, the next year and a half, it is, it is going to be crazy. A thousand people on Christmas, we had people sitting in the Narthex. It was amazing. We kept saying, when is the small service? It never came. I went home exhausted. I was so tired. And Holly was like, well, you better get up early because the nephews are coming tomorrow. (laughs) Woo! But God, over the next several months, is going to ask you, where is your sacrifice? When we need those volunteers, when we need people to step up into leadership. Let us not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. I used to play soccer. I know that I don't look like I used to, but I did. I used to play soccer in high school and I went and played in college. And um, my dad never made it to my games. It was difficult for him He was working two jobs To keep us afloat It was a crazy time um, There was never a sense Of why aren't you here I, I knew what he was doing And um, But he finally came Because my senior year After going Our freshman year 0 and 15 Our sophomore year 0, 14 and 1 Progress <laughs> Our junior year 6, 9 and 1 Senior year 11, 4 and 1 so we, we really improved. And finally, we made it to the state tournament, which was the biggest deal ever. Our team had never been there. My dad came to the game. Two minutes into the game, I get fouled. I don't respond well. I get into a fight. Punches are thrown. I get red carded two minutes into the game, kicked out of the game. As I'm walking off the field, I decided to kick over the other team's water cooler. Listen, I was young. I was young. They kicked me out of the stadium. And so that's it. My high school career is over. And my dad uh, caught up with me in the parking lot. And my dad's really soft-spoken. He's super calm. He doesn't say much. I can hear the pitter-patter of rocks of him jogging up to catch up to me. And he's like, hey, are you okay? What happened? What happened out there, man? I was like, that guy fouled me, man, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yep, yep, I saw the foul. <sighs> Jason, what's on the back of your jersey? I was like, my number. He goes, no, above that. I was like, my last name. And he goes, that's my last name. It's not your last name. You haven't done anything to earn that last name yet. It's your sister's last name, it's your mom's last name, it's your grandpa's last name. And what you do out there is a reflection of me. Yeah, thank you, someone. <laughs> My mom, on the other hand, what is wrong with you? That gives us a really good idea of what it means to carry the name either in vain or not in vain what my dad was saying is you're representing something. You're carrying the great mantle. And what you do represents me. Do better. And I did. I never got red carded again. My junior year of college, I was um, working as an intern youth pastor at my home church, fulfilling my requirements for my education. And... I did that, and then I also worked for my dad at his construction company, and we worked some long hours in the middle of summer, and um, it was great because on Saturdays, I had my day off, so Friday, we got done, and I, I went home, showered up, went to my friend's house. I think we did like a Star Wars marathon on VHS, and I, we got through them all at about 4.30. I went home at 4.30 in the morning, crawled into bed turned on my box fan which is the only reasonable way to sleep and I began to doze off and at about 5:15 in the morning there was a knock on my door And my dad said are you ready I was like ready for what leave me alone I, I just got home a little while ago He was like we got to get out of here we got a we got a job to do today and I was like dad it's my day off stop messing with me and so he left and he came back with a glass of ice water and poured it on my face he said get up we got some stuff to do today. I was like, I mean, I'm arguing. I'm not in the mood. And so he finally talks me into getting into the truck. My attitude is horrible. We go to the lumber yard. We pick up two square shingles and two roof shovels, which are what you use to pop shingles off of a roof. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We're tearing off and putting on a roof. He's like, just trust me. So we drive out to this dilapidated subdivision. We pull in the driveway, and I immediately know who it is. It's a friend of a lady in our church whose husband had just passed away. She had three boys, and her roof was leaking horribly. So me and Dad climbed up on the roof, and the ladder hit the roof. She had no idea we were coming. I was like, does she even know we're coming? He was like, no, we're doing this today for free. We're paying for it. We're going to put it on. And so... (laughs) She hears us on the roof. She comes out in her nightgown. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, we're going to put a roof on today for you. And she started crying. I mean, sobbing. I started crying. And for the next 10, 12 hours, I worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. And we put that roof on that tiny little house. We're driving home, and there's blisters. The tar is Packed into the blisters, my hands were bleeding and I had the biggest smile on my face and uh, he didn't say anything, he just drove me home and so a couple of weeks later on Sunday morning I'm sitting in the third row and this woman wasn't a believer, she was just a friend of somebody that went to our church the back doors of our church open and Her and her youngest son walked through the door. And at the end, my pastor gave a call for anybody who wanted to receive salvation to come forward. And I watched this young mom and her boy walk down and take the name of the Lord for the first time in their life. That's what it means to live a life that isn't in vain. My dad taught me a really valuable lesson that day. That that thing translates to eternity. Everything else is going to be burnt up. Never going to take it with you. But those acts of love last into eternity. A couple of weeks later, her two other sons gave their hearts to Christ. And the whole family was saved because of that one act of love. It was incredible. I've never forgot it. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a second. If you can, think about 2024. Think about this upcoming year. Where in your life are the things that cost you something? I think that more than anything, we want to be a church, we want to be a people who are gracious and sacrificial in all of the things that God has given us, our time, our energy, our talents, our money, all of those things that we want to be a people who live a life worthy of the calling that we have received because we are carriers, we are lifters, we are walking with the name of Jesus Christ on our shoulders, tattooed on our forehead, branded on our hearts. Think of those ways right now. Think of those ways. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to worship you and to lift you up. And I pray that we would all, as we are walking into such a powerful historical moment in the life of our church, that we would all look and we would all see and we would grasp and we would try to understand where are areas in our life we are failing you, when we are carrying your name. Where are we taking your name in vain? Where are areas that we can carry it in a way that cost us something? Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask all this in your son's name, the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Now to him who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine, all to the praise and glory of our great King Jesus. In his name, amen. You are free to go.